Which new additions can have the biggest impact on Cowboy football? I'm Matt Jordan. Welcome into the Pokes Podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. And before we get into our main focus of today's episode, we're talking about some of the new additions, transfers in to the Oklahoma State football team for the upcoming season. I want to hit on a couple of news news and notes from, uh, from Oklahoma State, a couple of 2024 commitments, one of those being a offensive line prospect, a four-star offensive line prospect, Chauncey Johnson, who committed to Oklahoma State over schools like Missouri and Arkansas. That's a good get for the Cowboys. Offensive line has been an issue for a couple of years, so hopefully adding this six foot four, 295-pound prospect will uh, beef up the line a little bit, uh, a line, like I said, that needs much improvement. Another landing is a three-star linebacker who chose Oklahoma State over schools like Arkansas State, Texas State, UTSA, and North Texas. The uh, He's a Texas native, so coming from Texas, Oklahoma State gets a lot of players from there. But uh, 119th ranked linebacker in the class of 2024, second ranked player in the state, a three-star prospect, and a good get for Oklahoma State to kind of beef up that linebacking crew. And then if you uh, you look at uh, the class, that is the 10th prospect that Oklahoma State has landed for the 2024 class. So uh, Gundy working on uh, the future, and hopefully he's there to see it. Big 12 media days are also coming up. Oklahoma State has sent uh, their representatives. Each team has announced the, the players that they're sending for Big 12 media days. Oklahoma State is one of four Big 12 teams that is not sending a quarterback. It'll be linebacker Colin Oliver, cornerback Corey Black, wide receiver Brennan Presley, one of the few wide receivers, few skill positions that came back to the Cowboys that didn't transfer out, and then offensive lineman Preston Wilson. Uh, TCU, West Virginia, Houston, and one other school did not send are also not sending a quarterback uh, to their to the Big 12 media days just they don't feel like uh, they have someone to represent them Oklahoma State also one of the few schools not sending five players uh, the only other ones that Houston and Iowa State Iowa State that fourth school not sending uh, a quarterback so uh, TCU not sending a quarterback but they are sending five players so uh, Oklahoma State one of only four schools not sending a quarterback and one of only three schools not sending five players representing them to media day. Interesting, I know even with Bowman transferring in, we're going to talk more about Bowman here in a bit, uh, that they don't send Bowman. Just He's a veteran guy that should be able to handle uh, a media day, and you got to think he's going to be a leader of the team, but uh, you know, Gundy and media don't always go hand-in-hand, hand, so uh, I'm sure he's keeping all of his cards closely uh, to the chest. So um, so over on the website version of Heartland College Sports, heartlandcollegesports.com, Brian Clinton uh, wrote an article about uh, the 10 transfers who could make the biggest impact in the Big 12 race, uh, which got me thinking about all the transfers coming into Oklahoma State and which players I think can make the biggest impact for the Cowboys. And uh, the one that makes Brian's list from the Cowboys that I'm going to talk about first is Alan Bowman, the quarterback transfer from Michigan, who was at Texas Tech before transferring to Michigan. The quarterback spot is the centerpiece of the Oklahoma State offense, and Bowman at the helm 
is going to be how that offense clicks and how it finds success. And is Bowman the guy that can do that? I think that he is because of his experience in the Big 12 already and what he did at Texas Tech before transferring to Michigan and never really got a chance at Michigan before transferring back to Oklahoma State. So um, he didn't do much at Michigan, like I said, but he is a gunslinger. Uh, He was good at Texas Tech. He played 19 games for the Red Raiders. He threw for 5,260 yards and 33 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. That's pretty good touchdown-to-interception ratio considering he was a freshman and a sophomore when he was at Texas Tech playing. 67% completion percentage. Maybe he'll be a little rusty, um, but with this offense, with Oklahoma State, with what they can do and some of the weapons they have or hope that they can turn into, uh, I think Bowman is the perfect quarterback to lead up this kind of changing of the guard a little bit for Oklahoma State where a lot of players transferred out. Uh, you're kind of getting away from the, the Spencer Sanders days and uh, how that offense kind of ran. It's really a new look offense outside of Ollie Gordon and Brennan Presley. And so... Looking at Bowman, I think he's a perfect fit into this one-year kind of uh, go-between between what what you hope is the future uh, of the Cowboys moving forward. So, to me, he's a perfect fit to put in there. He's going to make a uh, great transition into that offense and is, is the guy that I think Casey Dunn and Gundy can lean on to be a leader of the offense a lot better than bringing a young guy uh, like you had last year who just doesn't have the experience. So I'm looking forward to watching Alan Bowman play and then some other pieces that are transferring him around him. I'm really excited about Elijah Collins transferring in from Michigan State. When you look at uh, what he's done the last couple years, it's not the experienced player has been at Michigan State his entire career. He had some bright moments last year, 70 total carries last year, 318 yards. He did have six touchdowns. Two really, uh, One game that really sticks out to me, uh, the loss to uh, Indiana, but he had carried the ball 19 times, 107 yards, rushed for two touchdowns. Had a couple other games, 14 carries against Wisconsin, but averaged four and a half yards a carry last year, which is is what you what you want from from a player. I mean, four and a half yards every time you carry the ball in three plays, you're going to have a first down. You're almost going to have a first down in in two plays. So a four and a half yard per carry average last year is exactly what you want to see from your running back position. And if we look at his entire career. At Michigan State, of course, uh, coming into last year, it was kind of the, the the job was up for grabs again. We obviously know what Kenneth Walker did there in 2021. That was uh, Collins's worst year at Michigan State outside of his freshman year. But in 2021, 18 carries for 102 yards. 2020 wasn't great either, 41 carries for 90 yards. But the 2019 season where he ran the ball 222 times, second year in college, running the ball 222 times, 988 yards, just shy, and 4.4 yards per carry. A matter of fact, when you look at his average yards per carry, outside of 2020 when it was 2.2, 4.4 in 2019, 5.7 in 2021, and 4.5 in 2022. Oklahoma State does not be a workhorse back. They don't need him to tote the rock. He needs to be one of a stable of backs. And in 2019, he proved that he can do that. Five rushing touchdowns. And in 2022, in a much more limited role, 70 carries, 
and six touchdowns with 318 yards. I think if he can give Oklahoma State around 500 yards of production to go along with the other backs that they have, he's going to fit into the system nicely, uh, kind of slot in right behind their other backs in Jaden Nixon and Ollie Gordon, the turn two returning from Oklahoma State. Gordon obviously with a decent year last year, but Collins right there, I think, as the senior leadership among some younger backs because Gordon and Nixon are both sophomores, Nixon a redshirt sophomore and Gordon true sophomore it's nice experience leadership and proven back who's done it before in a power five conference uh, I like the addition of Elijah Collins and in the passing game he's not been too bad either, that 2019 season 15 catches for 99 yards and then last year 14 catches for 93 yards, so when he's been utilized, he's been productive and I think that transitions well into Oklahoma State, and he could be a nice, hard-nosed running back where you like that in the Big Ten because they are hard-running still. And when you have that coming over to maybe uh, a league where that's not necessarily the focus point on, which that could change a bit, but they added the four schools they added in are not really known for just being run-only run teams. So... Looking at the addition at running back, the addition at quarterback, I think you can really shape uh, Oklahoma State's offense next season. I like how Collins slots in with the other two backs and think he can be very productive for the Cowboys. If he was the Cowboys' leading rusher this season, it would not surprise me in the least bit. I'm, I'm excited about the addition of Collins. Another guy I'm excited about the addition of is Deshaun Stripling, the Washington State transfer. When you look at what he did last year, at Washington State, it is very consistent. No, no game less than three receptions. He he started the season with a seven-catch game, 51 yards against uh, Idaho. Seven catches, three, three catches, four catches, five, three, three, three in three straight weeks against Cal, USC, and Oregon State. Then back-to-back four reception games, five reception games, three-catch game against Arizona, and finish the season seven catches against Washington State. Yardage-wise, it's nothing that jumps out at you. Pretty um, average yard. Uh, 84 was his biggest game of the season. It was a five-catch game against Oregon. But 51, 69, 66, 45, 66, 64, 58. So very consistent. Uh, no big plays. Biggest catch of the season was 38 yards. Uh, he had five touchdowns in his second season this last year, five touchdowns season the year before. So I just like Stribling as a guy that can come in and be a consistent receiving option, a guy that Bowman can trust on. He's a guy that you can trust to go out there. He's going to have some receptions. And this is a much better offense at Oklahoma State than it was at Washington State with what could be a better quarterback. And then if you look at uh, the competition he's going to have around him, I think Stribling kind of slots in there as a number two wide receiver on the team. Uh, maybe number three, depending on how things shut your guy. But then the other guys are going to kind of slot in and figure out where they're going to play. Uh, Green and Bray also kind of big play guys. So Stribling can be that slot guy in the middle, kind of figuring things out, your, your five-yard ins and quick zig routes and and you're in your I, I think that he's he's going to be a nice contribution there in, in the middle and then another guy that's going to add some veteran presence is uh Arlen Bruce the 
fourth who's transferring in from Iowa. Not a lot to show in his has a touchdown in each season, but is just another weapon that uh, that is experienced. Uh, Kansas kid, 5'10", going to be a nice slot option as well. So I like what Oklahoma State has added offensively with the transfer portal to kind of replace what they lost last year. And of the three, Elijah Collins and Stribling, I'm most excited for those two. And we'll see how Bowman fits in. I think Bowman is my most sure lock to be good. But I think that if I was more confident that Stribling or Collins could have the bigger season, I think Bowman is the safer of the transfer options to say, all right, he's going to have the most most impact on the offense for 2023. But Collins and Stribling, I think, have a chance to have an even greater impact on the offense and like elite level impact where I think Bowman is more like a game manager uh, who has the ability to sling the ball down the field. So I'm looking forward to the new look offense in 2023. And uh, speaking of new, the Big 12 did add new teams to the league. That is official, officially happened. That happened uh, on, on the first so that they are now in. So Oklahoma State, is now joined in the Big 12 by BYU, Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati. And uh, excited to have those new teams as part of the Big 12. So they're now officially in. And then OU Texas will be leaving in 2024. And we'll go back down from 14 teams to 12 teams. If there's a lot of talk about potential teams coming to the Big 12, you could see teams like UConn, uh, San Diego State. You could see teams like Arizona State, Arizona. So we'll see if anyone is added. But the four new teams coming in, Oklahoma State, how have they matched? Well, played UCF before. So that'll be a fun first matchup. And matter of fact, um, most fans' game is sold out. It's in, like, November 11th. And that game is already sold out. So, obviously, fans excited about Oklahoma State coming to Orlando to take nights. Uh, the team with they have the most history with is Houston. Uh, they faced against Houston 20 times. They are 9-10-1, and, and Houston won the last matchup 45-35. to So, a win this year for Oklahoma State means that would uh, even those records back out and uh, even it at 10-10-1, and one, so Oklahoma State looking to take advantage of getting to play Houston every year and improve upon that record. They are undefeated against BYU in just two games, 2-0. and oh, Their last win came back in 1976. They won that game 49-21, to 21, so it's been a while. And uh, the, the matchup prior to that was two years. Uh, it was a 16-6 to six win in 1974. And then Cincinnati, they are 2-1. and one. Again, they won their last game 27-17. to 17. That one was all the way back in 1983. And their first win against Cincinnati came 1914, back in 1968. So a couple of these teams, it's been a while since they played. The Houston game was back in 2009, so it's been uh, 14 years when we, when we get to play this game. 14 years since the two teams played. So a lot of uh, new things or renewed things or matches matchups that haven't haven't happened in a long time. So it's exciting to have the four new teams into the Big 12. How did they affect Oklahoma State going forward, not just with the matchups, but who is going to come out on top 
as heads of the Big 12 once OU and Texas leave. I mean, when you look at the history of the Big 12 back when it, you know, it was the Big 8 and then went to the Big 12, and you had Nebraska, Colorado, Missouri, and Texas A&M, and you, you know, the, the old Big 12, and who, who were the heads of that? Well, the, Nebraska obviously has the history, OU, Texas, and then Nebraska leaves, and that kind of put Texas and OU kind of right there on top, and Texas has really struggled in recent years, and OU has kind of held that helm. TCU and Baylor have made grabs at it. Oklahoma State has been there as well. How do these new teams affect that? Who is going to take over the stranglehold of power? Are there, you know, four or five teams that can hold it? Is there one team that's going to kind of reign supreme? I think Oklahoma State certainly has a high opportunity as one of the most successful members of the original Big 8 conference. I mean, when you look at the original Big 8, Colorado is gone, Nebraska is gone, Missouri is gone, OU is leaving. That leaves KU, Iowa State, K-State, and Oklahoma State. And Iowa State has been far too inconsistent. KU was terrible for so long. And then K-State has been... I would say close to on par with Oklahoma State as far as successful seasons. Uh, They've both had some ups and downs, but I would say right about the same for those two schools. So is it going to be one of the original Big 8 members? Will it be one of the new schools? I think out of the new schools, BYU, UCF have the best opportunity to be one of uh, the the new schools that has a chance to say, hey, we're, we're kings of the Big 12, or is it going to be a Baylor or a TCU? Uh, can Iowa State get more consistent and, and say that they're one of the heads? Uh, obviously, KU is there for basketball. Uh, I don't think they're, they're going to be there for football. I just don't think they'll ever be consistent enough. Uh, I don't see West Virginia or really Houston being a part of that. Since he maybe had they kept fickle, could have said, yeah, we're a part of this, this new head of the Big 12, but if I had to pick one of the new schools, I would say it's UCF. If I had to pick a couple from the current Big 12 schools, I'd have to say it's either going to be K-State or Oklahoma State with a possibility of Baylor and TCU just because Texas uh, leads to such great recruiting and it's easier to kind of replace players and in Texas, a mecca of football, it, you know, that kind of uh, grows grows from there. So we'll see who grabs the stranglehold of power, especially after OU and Texas leave and what it looks like for one season alone. Who's going to have the best season? Is it going to be one of those exiting two schools? A lot of people look at Texas. Is it going to be a surprise or Houston so uh, I like Oklahoma State's chances to be one of the best programs in the new look Big 12 and uh, I think they do that with absolutely with Mike Gundy at the helm I know a lot of people would rather see them kind of about a new look themselves the Big 12's in a new look so why not let's let's kind of grow with it and make some changes and not stay with what what we used to know but I, I think for sure they can be a, the best team or the head of the Big 12 Thanks for listening to the Pokes Podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to give it a five-star review, share it, give it to uh, some new fans, maybe send it, maybe you know some fans of the four new teams, send it along to them, uh, share it, whoever with, and we appreciate you listening and uh, giving it a five-star review.